With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. God bless, God bless. We welcome everyone and young men, women, and God's worldwide ministry. As this afternoon, we present Take the Mask Off with our host, uh, Lady Satania Ford. We hope everyone had a blessed and wonderful day. Can y'all hear me? Loud and clear. Amen, amen, amen. Just wanted to know somebody was on the line. Uh, to God be the glory. We're going to go on and open up, and um, we'll give our announcements and everything, and then we'll be turning the line over to our host, uh, Lady Satanda Ford. Father God, we thank you once again for letting us come together, Father God. Thank you for letting us see another bright and sunny day, Father God. We thank you for just waking us up this morning on due time. And, Father God, we ask as we sit in the program that you have established for us to be a part of, take the mask off. Let us open up our mind, body, souls, and our spirits to be able to hear all the things that are going on on, on, in the the program this this afternoon. And, Father God, we just thank you just for being who you are and what you are in our lives. But most of all, Father God, we just thank you for being God all by yourself. And, Father God, we we ask you right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, to bind any spirits or anybody that may come across this line to distract us or take us off from what our attention or what is going on. We rebuke them right now in the mighty name of Jesus, Father God. And, Father God, we ask that you release the Holy Spirit to arrest any spirit that's not on you to come on this line um, at this time. Father God, we decree and declare all the words that have been spoken, Father God, to come to be manifested and to come true. Father God, we ask that you bless our host, and we ask that you bless our guests, that they be in harmony with one, with one another as we go through this discussion about take the mask off. Thank you, we praise you, and we exalt you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, we just want to give some short announcements on Monday night. We ask you all, anyone on the line, come join us on this same telephone number at 7 o'clock. We are teaching in the book of Revelations. I'm telling you, don't miss it. Uh, we are in the time that you need to see the signs and things. The church won't teach the book of Revelation. A lot of preachers, but God has ordained me to teach, to teach out of the book of, of Revelation. So come here where you're not being taught and come share with us. We have an open form uh, Bible study so you're able to ask questions, you're able to speak and share. Because I want to hear what the Holy Ghost has to say to you. And and coming to an understanding of the book of Revelation. And we thank everyone. We're going to turn it over to our host right now, 
Uh, that's 7 o'clock on Monday night. Please join us in our Bible study. We turn it over to our host, Lady Sophia Ford. Good morning, good afternoon, everybody. How you doing today? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm just so thankful. We are so thankful to be here another week and uh, to hear this awesome story from the woman of God, Adia Sanders. I just want to uh, brief everybody because um, <clears throat> we may have some first-time callers. And uh, thank you, Pastor uh, Carpenter, for uh, taking the time out, sacrificing your time out uh, today. And, uh, you know, you could be doing something else, and so so is everybody else, you know. You could be doing something else, but you're taking the time out on this Saturday to... Um, you know, hear someone else's story. And I just want to say this right here. You never know who is holding the keys to the shackles that may be on another person's feet. So in life we have to live and we have to learn, but it's always good to tune in and learn from somebody else because you don't know what they may be teaching you. You don't know what kind of season you're walking into and what you may come across. So if uh, uh, someone come on the show and telling a story, and you may learn something from that person, uh, we're going to ask that if some people use their phone. We hear hearing a lot of noise in the background. Okay. Pastor Carpenter. How you doing? Good to see you. Pastor Carpenter. Yeah, from here. I'm sorry. You can hear the noise. I'm sorry. Okay, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, we can barely hear. I can barely hear myself talking now. I'm sorry. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. But I just want to say this right here. You know, we. Uh, I want to start off. We may have some first-time uh, callers. And um, I was uh, led to write a movie. And it's just ironic how the movie came about because it came about through some pictures. And that's when I discovered that I was a visionary. And what we did, we took those pictures, and the pictures really kind of had its own story. And I began writing a story uh, from the pictures that I saw by Storyboard. And uh, I was just, uh, the people uh, was put in my path to be able to bring this movie together. And so uh, we did a movie in uh, 2011 titled Pregnant by the Pastor. And I'm going to tell you, at that time and that season, that this topic and this discussion, you know, that particular topic was not up for discussion. But, you know, I was led to do it. Everything was put in my place for it to happen, and we went with it. And from that, you know, uh, we uh, received a numerous amount of people to reach out and tell their story. Well, you know, you... you <laughs> You always know uh, and stay tuned with the Spirit of the Lord, and I knew I wasn't a counselor. So I went to my production manager, and I said, okay, I'm getting all these calls and I'm getting all these people sharing this story with me, but, um, you know, I know I'm not a counselor, so therefore, oh, my God, what do I, what am I going to do? And he said, Are you, well, you ready for the next, uh, for the next um chapter in your life, and I was like, well, what is that? And he was like, well, <laughs> you got a talk show. So I began to, um, we began to take the cameras out and roll, you know, and schedule the appointments, and 
before before I knew it, we had uh, the talk show was called Taking Off the Mask. We normally film it in the form of a production, but, you know, it's a season for it. And uh, so, therefore, um, you know, a lot of people can't take our time to fly here and this, right, you know, and get here and we film it on the couch and what have you. But uh, so I just thank Pastor Carpenter for being available and allow us to do the show uh, on his line. And so uh, I just want to catch everybody up to speed. And today uh, we have our guest, Adia Sanders. Welcome, Adia. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> thank you. I know you. Uh, you, you <laughs> this sister is a powerhouse, y'all. I've been knowing her for such a for a short period of time, but she's been such uh such an asset to this platform. You know, and, uh, you know, when she's on, you can't help but to notice because, hey, she makes some stuff happen, you know. And I'm just thankful for having you here, and I thank you for taking time out your, with your day to share some things with the people. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it, Satanya, and I just thank God for you again and my dad just for introducing us. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm just glad to be here. And by the way, your dad came to the second movie. Uh, to the uh, I did a movie, Pregnant by the Pastor, the aftermath, and he flew in. You know, him and some friends they had flew in, and they came to Little Rock. He got a chance to go to the Central High School and uh, see the Little Rock Nine. See, uh, you know, uh, the history of the Little Rock Nine and everything. And he really enjoyed himself. And I'm thankful for John. You know. And um, I'm thankful for you as well. But we just, I want to say this to uh, the people. Right now, we just want her to take the time out to tell her story. We want her to get into her flow and everything. And I will, um, and I ask questions until I open the floor, okay? So we just want to do that today because, you know, uh, we don't want to uh, distract anything that, you know, she have to say or or what have you. And so until I open the floor, that's when we'll, you know, have, uh, we'll open it up for questions and so forth, okay? So I just want to turn the floor over to you, Miss Adia, and uh, you just you just have your way, huh? <laughs> All right, well, good afternoon, everybody, uh, or good morning to those that may be on Mountain Time or Pacific Time. Um, I just, I, I truly, um, again, just, I thank God for allowing me to just be able to share my story and testimony, and I definitely thank Satanya just for inviting me to, to share it. Um, I was telling her that I don't share this very often with people. When I have shared it, you know, most people kind of look at me. They don't look at me crazy, but they're just in awe because anytime God orchestrates something, that's the only expression or, I guess, um, response or emotion that somebody can have is just to be in awe. And, you know, when we when you're serving God, uh, regardless of where you are, whether you're a mature Christian or you're just, you know, just starting out, you know, when God does something, he does all things well, and that's what the Word of God tells us. And so um, when Satanya asked me, you know, I was like, Lord, I don't, I don't really do good talking in front of people, um, but I'm just going to talk to you as if, as if we were just con- having a conversation, and that's what makes it very relaxing and easier for me. Um, I am a natural-born talker anyway, but certain environments, you know, 
kind of put pressure because there's a a certain formality, but I am not going to do that this morning because that would be too much stress on me. Um, so going back, you know, when she asked me, I was I just began to pray, and I was like, you know, Lord, what do you want me to share with the people? And he said, well, in, in light of everything that has been going on with the COVID, he said, I want you to share your story about what happened to you with the COVID. And um, I was like, okay, God, I will, you know. And any time, you know, somebody asks you to do something, you know, the first thing that we should do is pray and ask God, you know, what is it that he would have us to speak because there's always a message. There's always um, deliverance. There's always something in whatever it is that God, that, that when we speak, that will help somebody. And so I didn't just want to arbitrarily just get up here and, you know, and talk about, you know, this aspect of my life and it not be effective, like me and Satani were, were talking about earlier, just about being effective in your ministry, regardless of what it is. And so this is what the Lord laid on my heart. And so um, I will just give you a little background about me. I am 34 years old. I am married. I have three children, and I'm in the Army. Um, went to college at Livingstone in Salisbury, North Carolina, and graduated high school in 1998 and graduated from Livingstone in 2002. Um, never been a kid in trouble. You know, my mother always told me, because I'm just honest, that, that, that um, if you can or mute your phone, hello, if you can just mute your phone, and it will still keep you open on the line. Thank you. Um, and so never really been in trouble, but my mother always told me growing up, because I was just always like, really honest with people, to include my mother, that my mouth was always going to get me in more trouble than I can get out of. Always a good kid, you know, had a heart to help people, but my mouth, uh, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, I just have to be more cognizant of it now uh, because sometimes people cannot handle um, the truth, even though that's what some people say they want. But anyway, um, it was 19... 99, my sophomore year of college, um, I was in the reserves, had joined the reserves in 1998, just a way to make some money, and um, that was pretty much it, you know, I was just like, oh, this would be good, you know, I was 17 at the time, and my mom had to sign my paperwork, so I'm in the reserves now, and I started drilling the year, uh, summer of 1999, I go to basic training, AIT, and I go back to school. My unit for our two-week annual training, we went to Germany. I was in a postal unit, and um, so I had to go to some training, do some training, and we went to Germany for two weeks, and it was going to be after the Christmas holiday. So uh, I didn't have a car at the time in college, but a good friend of mine, where we worked together, she had a car, and I was like, you know, all of my, when I gotten out of basic training, I had taken all of my, um, military clothing, you know, issue gear and equipment to my grandmother's house in North Carolina, down in Rowland, North Carolina. So I was like, okay, I got to get all my stuff together, and um, will you drive me there? So we left on a Friday. We were just going to go spend, you know, a couple of minutes there with my grandmother and grandfather and come on back um, so that I can get ready to go. And um, driving, and we went through this town called Lomberg, North Carolina, 
And, again, I, I'm very familiar with this area because I used to live in Robinson County, which is about 15 minutes away from Lomberg. Um, Went and got gas, and it was late. Um, I don't know how late it was. I do not recall. But it might. I know it was probably after 9 or 10 o'clock at night. So went and got the gas. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, I don't know if y'all remember, but you, before you used to can just pump your gas and then come in and pay, you know, especially if you were going to fill it up. And now, you know, since people steal gas or whatever they have, you have to prepay. And so I didn't know that after a certain time, you know, they had you prepaid for the gas, you know. So I go in and I say, hey, I'm going to put this amount on, pump number, whatever. And I don't know, didn't know this lady, but out of nowhere, um, you know, she was explaining to me, I was telling her that, you know, hey, the, the pump is not working. She said, well, you have to prepay. I said, okay, well, how do I know, like, how much to prepay if I want to fill it up? Again, you know, I was... 18 at the time, so I didn't really know. I didn't know how much gas, you know, how much gas a tank could hold. You know, had I known that, I probably would have done the easy math and just say, hey, I want to put this amount and be and been done with it. But not having that knowledge, you know, I didn't know, so I was asking her this question, and she got irritated with me because I was asking her this question. Um, and so that just went to, like, snowball to a whole nother place to where, you know, she started getting loud with me. I said, well, ma'am, I don't know how much gas to put in here. Um, I don't know what, how, how, I just don't know. Um, so I just said, well, you know, I gave her a random amount. I said, and I, I'll come back and get my change. So I proceed to go outside, and the door is locked. I cannot leave this store. There are other people that are on the inside with me, um, and I'm, like, pushing on the door, and I'm like, you know, why is this door locked? Like, that's kind of odd that the door. And so I go back over to the counter. I said, hey, ma'am, I said, I can't get out the door. She was like, I know you can't get out the door because I locked it. I said, well, why would you do something like that? And she's behind this big, thick, uh, bulletproof glass and case countertop or whatever. And so I'm like, why are you, you know, like, why would you lock the door? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Um and, you know, you really don't sometimes understand what you're going through until the time passes and there's not a lot of emotion. But this lady basically, I don't know what she saw me as. Um, it's dead of winter in December. It's cold outside. And um, she locks me in this store. So I see that other people are, are not able to leave the store either, this other a uh, gentleman was trying to get out the store, and she just would not let anybody out because of the encounter that she had with me. And so I go back over to the door, and I said, ma'am, you need to unlock this door. I said, I am I am not from here. I got to go, you know what I'm saying? I still had about another 30 to 45-minute ride and had already driven um, over two hours and still had to turn back around and get back on the road in that same night. And so she unlocks the door, and I'm, you know, pushing on the door, and she finally unlocks it, and the door releases, and it opens. Now, for most people, they probably just walked out and got back in their car. Not me, because at this point I'm angry because this lady is intentionally picking on me. And like I told y'all, if you, if you know me, I'm not just going to lay down and just let you do what you're going to do to me, and I say absolutely nothing about it. That is how I was then, and I'm still like that now, but I'm more seasoned because I got Jesus and the, and the Holy Spirit. 
and, and I'm just thankful for that now. And I was saved then, but my mouth still got me in a lot of trouble. Um, so I took that door, and I pushed it, and I pushed it, and a little chime fell off, you know, and I was just like, I can't believe you did this to me, you know, what kind of crap is this that's going on or whatever. And I got in my friend's car, and we drove off. And so, um, as a matter of fact, let, let me backtrack. We had gotten my stuff, and we were headed back. So it was very late at this at this moment. Um, probably about 10, 11 o'clock. So I already got in my stuff from my grandmother's house, and we're going back to school in Salisbury, North Carolina. We're driving on um, 74, if I'm not mistaken, Highway 74, and we were outside of Lawnburg in probably some little small town. And at this time, I am very emotional, could not believe that that happened. Um, I proceed to call the police to report it. And at the same time that I'm doing that, a uh, car is behind, comes, I see lights. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I was like, you know, I, I was speeding, so they're they going to give me for a ticket. Little did I know that this lady had called the police, gave them a description of the car. Mm-hmm. And the uh, state trooper pulls us over and, he, you know, asks us, you know, I'm driving my friend's car, you know. He asks us, um, do you know why I pulled you over? And I was like, yes, sir. You know, I was speeding. I said, I apologize. I said, I just had a horrific traumatic event that just happened to me. I said, you know, this lady locked me in the store, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, well, you need to get out the car. I said, sir, I said, what do you want me to get out of the car for? You know, what have I done? And let me tell y'all, if y'all know anything about being in a country, it is dark, ain't no street lights out there. Not very many cars come on, you know, on like the little state highways, um, very far and few. And so I'm in a, it is in the middle of the night. I got on some little platform boots, a sweater and some jeans, no jacket, nothing. And I'm like, this man, this state trooper wants me to get out the car in the middle of the night and, and discuss with him my speeding and what I was just, what I just experienced. And I'm still you know, shaken up by it, you know. I never had anything like that happen to me before. Um, and so my friend was like, you know, she was trying to explain to the officer um, what happened. And so he was like, you know, you just need to shut up and whatever. And I said, just calm down, you know. I said, let me just try to talk to him. And so he was like, I said, you need to get out the car. I said, sir, I said, I hear what you're saying. I said, but you are a male officer and I would be very, I would, I will get out this car, but all I'm asking is if you will call and that a female officer can be here. I said, because I do not feel comfortable being out here with just me and my friend in the middle of the night. If something happens, I said, there is no way in the world it will, it just will not work out right. Now, I'm not crazy either, so I know better. And so he was like, he's getting agitated with me, and so he proceeds to begin to pull me out the car. This man probably was about six two, six three. At least I would probably say two fifty to about two hundred and sixty pounds. You know, he's not a little guy. Um, and I'm only five two and probably about one hundred and fifteen pounds. And I have not gained that much weight since then. So I'm still five two. I only weigh one hundred and twenty pounds. So I'm just a little person um, by nature. But don't let that fool you either. 
So he proceeds to pull me out the car, and I said, sir, I don't need you to pull me out this car, and you need to stop right now. I've asked you to call a state, a, a, a female officer to come here because I don't feel comfortable being here with you, and that's all I'm asking you to do. And he gets irate, and he starts cussing at me, you know, and calling me names, and he's, you know, literally, so I just finally just give in. And I'm standing up, you know, probably like chest height to him because I got my little three, four-inch platform little boots on in the cold still. And so I'm standing there, and he was like, I'm placing you under arrest. I said, for what? And he was like, the call came across the radio. Um, um, and so I got to place you under arrest. I said, sir, I said, place me under arrest for what? For vandalism. I was just like, okay. And at this time, you know, when you are emotionally in something and already shaken up by it, you don't really recall what happened. I didn't recall, you know, the, the, the chime thing falling off until after the fact. And then as I sat and thought about it, I said, you know what, it did come off, you know, probably from me pushing on, you know, pushing the door just in anger at what this lady had done to me. Um, so he proceeds to handcuff me, and my friend is pleading with him, and he's telling her to shut up, and now he's going to arrest her for his, for um, for interfering with an arrest or whatever. And so now it's like both of us are about to be arrested, and I'm feeling horrible because my friend is getting arrested for something that I did. If you know anything else about me, I have a heart for people. And so it was hard for me. I would have been okay had I been arrested. But I was not okay with my friend now being involved in this situation. And so, you know, he's putting the handcuffs on me, and I'm like, sir, you know, you're hurting. That is hurting my wrist. I'm not that big of a person. And mind you, I'm having this conversation with him. I said, I am not that big of a person. You don't have to be rough like that with me. And so if you see the news today, we hear stories about how people always tell the police, you don't have to be rough with me. I will do what you asked me to do. I've already gotten out of the car, so I'm not resisting anything. I've already stated my, my request for you to get a female officer. You have said, no, you're not going to do it because you're, you just refuse to be cooperative. These are officers that are supposed to protect people and still understand that they're dealing with a human being. And so he's putting the handcuffs on my right wrist. And I said, sir, it, it hurts. And so, you know, I'm, like, trying to, like, wriggle and, like, turn around and face him and say, sir, you don't have to be rough like that with me. And so he twisted my arm. And when he twisted my arm just out of a natural reflex, my left hand hit him in, a ch in his chest. Now, mind you, these officers have on body armor. And so me hitting him, I got it. I assaulted an officer, whatever. But I know that me, you know, that reaction, so I was just like I said, sir, I said I didn't mean to do it. I said, you know, I'm not trying to fight you, you know, like, because if I'm going to fight you, I'm, I'm going to fight you. You know, I'm not going to hit you in your chest when I know you got on body armor. Like, I'm going to punch you in your face or I'm going to hit you where it hurts that, but I'm not getting ready to hit you where it's going to hurt my hand. And it wasn't like a, a closed fist. It was just a, my body just turning around and my hand hitting his chest. And so, oh, you know, I got you for assault on a on a state trooper. And I'm like, you know, I don't know what that means. I'm 18 years old. I mean, 17 at the time. 
I have no idea what that means. I was 18. I don't know what that means. So another officer comes and, and arrests my friend. I'm in the, in the, um, the, he puts the handcuffs on me and puts me in the front seat. And so I'm like, you know, this is really, this is, this is odd. This is the oddest thing that I have ever heard of because when I've seen people get arrested, I ain't seen them in nobody's front seat, nobody's front seat. I've seen them in the back seat. You know, I grew up in the city. Um, I'm from up north. So I've seen a lot of things and I've yet to see somebody in the front seat. And so me, like I said, I'm, you know, not a very big person. Uh, While I'm sitting in the front seat with the state trooper, I take my feet and my hands and I put them in between, oh, I put my feet in between my hands and now my hands are in front of me, handcuffed. Ah. And I begin to tell this man, you know, I begin to pray first because that's just, you know, like I said, I was a believer, um, not a very well-seasoned one because, again, my mouth um, probably got me in, into more trouble. Um, but I began to pray, and he's telling me to shut up, and I said, I will not shut up. I will pray. And I continue to pray to God that he will work this situation out. And so as I'm praying, God began to speak to me about this officer. And he began to tell me that this officer, you know, to begin to tell me some things about things that he was doing, that he was um, – he was a very flirtatious man, and so, he, you know, he was um, not being faithful to his wife. And so I was just like, and the Lord said, and you're going to tell him this. And I said, well, Lord, I don't, I'm not telling this man nothing. This man has been rude to me. He has treated me like I was absolutely nothing. I, will, I can't share this with this man. And the Lord said, you will tell him. And so, of course, my voice, I'm very, I'm angered at this time. So imagine the Lord telling you to speak something into somebody's life. And so I began to tell him, I said, sir, I said, you don't know me. I said, but I'm going to tell you this. You may think that what you're doing is going to hurt me, but I am telling you that it will not hurt me. It will not have any impact on my life. And I said, I'm going to even go so much as to tell you the things that you are doing behind your wife's back. I said, I want you to know that it's not right. I said, I want you to know that you are not being faithful to your wife. And if you're going to call yourself a man of the law, then there are some things that you need to get together. This man turns after he's been rude to me, telling me to shut the F up and all these other kind of things. He looks at me, and he, his face was just as white as a ghost, no expression on it. And I said, I know what you're doing to your wife. And I began to speak into his, into his life. I said, and there's no way in the world you're going to get away with it. I said, you can say what you want to say. You can try to use, you know, your badge and you being a state trooper or whatever. I said, but it's not going to work. And I said, I'm going to tell you one thing right now. You can try to stop my future. I said, but it won't work. I said, because I know the God that I serve, and he's going to bring me out. So we get to the police station. Um I hear him, you know, he's telling uh, somebody, uh, I don't know, another officer about what happened and who's in a car with him and all this stuff. And, you know, I heard him say, the, you know, call me a nigger. And I was just like, really? I know this man didn't. Well, you wait until I get inside because I'm telling everything. You know, like this man ain't going to get away with this. And so we had to wait for the magistrate to come in. And I told the magistrate, you know, I told him what happened. And he was like, well, you know, you you going to have to – you." going to be arrested and 
you know, read me my rights and me and my friends sitting here in jail. So being the people that we were believers in God, we was just like, well, we about to have us a Paul and Silas moment. You know, they fingerprinted us and um, I don't think they took pictures. I don't recall. I, I really, I don't recall any of that. Um, but I know that they said, you know, we would have to bond out and it was like, you know, the 10% was like $250. Well, we wasn't going anywhere, so we had to spend the night in jail um, in, in Lomberg, North Carolina, Scotland County. And um, me and my friend, you know, we were believers. Uh, we would pray together. And so that night, you know, we just began to pray and just believe God. And I'm telling you, you know, praying in the spirit and just singing songs of praise just like Paul and Silas did in Acts. And we did that, and we believed that God was going to work it out. Um, I called my uncle, you know, and he was like, um, I can get y'all out, but, of course, y'all got to pay me the money back. And so we did. He came and picked us up. I had to call my mother, who at the time um, was living in the Virgin Islands. And so there was nothing that she could do. And, you know, most parents, they, you know, testify about how they never had to go to the police station to go to court on behalf of their kids. Well, my mother never did, but I felt like I was like I had just wronged my mom because I wasn't raised that way. And I will tell you that was one of the times that my mother was so supportive for me. You know, she couldn't send me the money, but, you know, she was on the phone, and, and I know that she was praying for me. And so she just told me, she said, Adi, everything is going to be okay. I know I can't be there, but everything is going to be okay. And you just got to believe that. And so we got out on that Saturday morning. Um, Somebody had ended up, you know, you leave your car on the side of the road, people don't care. Somebody had ended up, you know, breaking my friend's window out uh, on the backseat of her car, stole my whole duffel bag. Um, And I was just, you know, upset about it but kind of laughing about it because I'm like, they got somebody's clothes that's not a very big person, so... If a grown man at average height took it, they're in for a surprise because they're not going to be able to wear it. But I hope they enjoy it. And so I had, uh, you know, we went back to school, and, you know, I got a court date and everything to come back to court, went back to court the first time, didn't have an attorney. And so I was charged with assault on a state trooper. And it was, uh, I don't know, I think they said it was an I class, some kind of classes, you know, Misdemeanors and felonies have different classes to them. So if you ever wonder why, you know, maybe why somebody didn't have to serve so much time, it's probably because of the different classes there. Um, when when you get charged with um, with an arrest, and so mine was like right below being a felony charge, and I said, oh Lord, you know. And so the the, the judge was not lenient at all. He was, but he wasn't. Um, he was. I, I ended up being put on probation because I didn't have a record. You know, I was in college, um, never been in any trouble before. And so I was on a year of unsupervised probation. And my friend, um, she was on six months um, unsuper, unsupervised probation. And I remember there was a point to where she was so upset with me because of that incident happening it could have very well impacted her future. And I think at one point that it did, but um, everything worked out, you know. And so 
I went to court, had to go to court again the second time. And this time I said, I'm going to get me an attorney. I don't care how much money it costs. I'm going to get me an attorney. And it cost me $500, and that's a lot of money to a college student. And I got this attorney, you know, and he spoke on my behalf. And, you know, when the man came up there from the store, there was a man that was in the store, and I remember seeing him over in the corner. The lady that actually locked me in the store um, did not even come to court. This man did, old man, I mean, like super old. And so he was like, well, she looked like she had an attitude. And the attorney was like, well, how does somebody look like they have an attitude? And he couldn't answer the question. Well, she looked like she was drunk. So the attorney says, well, how does somebody look like they were drunk? Well, she looked like she was partying. He said, well, how does somebody look like they were partying? And so they had to dismiss the case. I wasn't charged with, you know, that's when I found out about the the chime. I was not charged with vandalism. Um, And so that charge was dropped. And so now let's fast forward to now I'm graduating college, um, commissioned as a second lieutenant in the United States Army, and I have to do a security clearance. Not knowing how any of this would that not knowing the impact on this, like I said, this was in 1999, so three years later, I'm sitting with a military security clearance adjudicator, and he begins to ask me about that, and he said, you know, is it cleared up? I didn't even know. I didn't know that it was more or less going to be, like I knew it was going to be on my on, on my police record, but I didn't know that it would have still been up there. You know, three years later, I said, well, it's been closed out. You know, I had to write a statement or whatever stating what happened. I had to relive it all over again. Um, And I wrote down whatever, you know, the events that happened, that I had a year of unsupervised probation, have not been in any trouble. Um, But let me go back. So my second, I had to go back to court, and I missed that court date. Um, I went to a private school, so they did not allow or the the city police officers had gotten the call and I was they were not allowed to come on campus because it was private property. So one of the security guards, he knew me and he was like, you know, I'm not going to let them. They want me to arrest you and handcuff you. And he said, I'm not doing all of that. He said, because I know who you are and I know your character. And um, y'all have to excuse me because God is so good. And so he just came and knocked on my door. He said, just get in the car. You know, I'm going to drive you up there to the police station in Salisbury. And he dropped me off. And so I I called my cousin and I told him, I said, hey, I need you to do me a favor. I'm in jail because I missed a court date. No transportation, didn't have a way to get there. I said, I need you to, I'm going to call one of my friends up. I need you to go to my room get my purse, go to the ATM machine so I can bond out of jail. This is now my second time in jail. And um, it's hard, you know, because you know that this is not you. But you can't lose faith. You've got to trust God. And so I had to trust God in all of it from the beginning to the end still going to class, you know, and I didn't have time to be worrying about, you know, if people knew, um, which most people, which nobody knew at at, at all what was going on except me, you know, and my friend. So back to with the adjudicator, you know, had to explain all of that. 
And um, it took a while for me to get my security clearance. That was in 2002 that I sat down with this this um, this gentleman. I didn't get my security clearance until 2003. Um, they basically had went and denied it, and I had to go back, and, you know, it was a long process. And I just was praying because if I didn't have my security clearance, I would have, I had to get out of the Army. But I knew that that's where I was supposed to be because that's what the Lord had spoken to me. Um, I lost my scholarship, academic scholarship, in my freshman year. And this young girl came up to me that we were in a choir with, and she said, Adia, she said, God says that you're going to get a scholarship. And that was my ROTC scholarship. That paid for uh, my junior and senior year of college. I didn't have to pay anything. I got a check. Um, and so I knew that God had ordained for me to be in the Army. And so even though, you know, I was going through this this almost year and a half time period of not having my security clearance, I had to rest in the fact of the word that God had given me after I got arrested, that I was getting a scholarship, and that I was going to be an officer in the United States Army. That was all I had to go on. That was it. Now, here I am on active duty at my first duty station, and still ongoing, they told me, you know, that I wasn't going to get my security clearance. I had to do more stuff. And and I'm just like, I'm reliving all of this again. And it was just so unfair. It was so unfair, and I didn't know what my future held. So I finally, you know, got the word that my security clearance um, had been approved. And, you know, we keep our security clearance for, for 10 years. Um, just recently, like in 2012, no, 2013, I had to um, I had to get my security clearance renewed, and I had to I think I had to meet with an adjudicator and um, just to go over everything on there to see you know, and I will tell you how good God is. That probation that was on my record in 2002 was no longer on my record when I had to go back and um, recertify for my security clearance again. And I will tell you the joy that I that I experienced from that was like none other. You know, because when you grow up in a household, you know, like I said, I grew up and I've seen a lot of things. I've seen so much that I don't, you know, don't care to go to, go into at this at this time. But I wanted to share this story. You know, the Lord laid it on my heart to share it because we have seen and heard of so many instances with, you know, um, the injustices with police officers. And, you know, I wanted to just, I didn't want to share it because it's sometimes hard to relive that moment of time um, because of the emotion that comes out of it. But when God tells you to do something, there is a reason why. And so, I, you know, I was a little nervous, you know, and like I said, when I've told people that I've been arrested, people look at me like I am crazy because they're like, Adia, you're so nice, you know. You would do anything for anybody, and for anybody to arrest you, you know, like what in the world happened? And when I tell people what happened, they just sit back and they're like, you really got arrested because your 
your hand hit this officer in his chest. And I said, I'm telling you, that is what happened on top of the incident at the store, which that case was thrown out. When I tell people that I was on one year of unsupervised probation, and if anything had happened to me, that they were going to come and arrest me, you know, that was just like an eye-opening experience. I said, God, I know what you've called me to do. You know, and when you have a calling on your life, um, you, you walk in that. You know what I'm saying? And, and you have to be encouraged, and you have to stand on the word of God. Um, what happened was that I ended up still going to Germany for those two weeks just to show you how good God is. I still went to Germany for my training. I was still able to get issued my uniforms. Um, I had a great time, even though I did have a minor incident where one of the soldiers in my unit stole my wallet. Um, God still got the glory. You know, I was still able to come back home. Um, but I still went to Germany. The mission was accomplished. And that, what that did was it increased my faith that when God speaks a word in your life, no matter what form or type of opposition comes up, if God speaks a word, it's got to come to pass. You know, um, I've never experienced anything like that before. I remember the officer, he couldn't even look at me when I was in that courtroom. He couldn't even look at me. I mean, you know, just being able to speak about somebody's life, just being able to speak into somebody's life about the things that they're doing and, and to allow God to use you, even in the, even in trying times, that in and of itself is a blessing. And um, I just thank you, Shatara. I, I mean, I'm so sorry, Satanya, just for allowing me this platform Um just allowing me this opportunity to share because I have never done it in a setting like this before. Like uh, I've only told, when I say a handful of people, I literally mean a handful of people. Um, there are not people in, there's probably one or two people in the Army since I've been in that know about this story that happened to me. Um, I, I've just never shared it like that. Um but to, to be able to do so now, I really thank God. And I, I thank you so much, Satanya, just for allowing me to share this story because of everything that is going on in our world. You know, one of my prayers has been that police officers that are not doing right would be exposed. That has been a prayer for mine because of the experience that I had with a state trooper that the police officers that are supposed to serve and defend and protect citizens, that they would be exposed for the stuff that they are doing that is not right, for pulling people out of cars just like they did to Sandra Bland. But I, when the Lord laid it on my heart, that was the first vision that I saw was that officer pulling her out the car, and I said, God, that's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the night as an 18-year-old, kid who has never been in trouble. And so the Lord said, I need you to tell your story about what I did for you because things could have ended in a totally different way, but they did it because I'm still here to tell the story. Mm-hmm. For a very long time, I hated police officers, hated them with a passion. And God says, I can't allow you to be 
a Christian and you have this much hate in your heart. I can't allow you to do it. So God had to work on me. I'm telling you, when I would pass one, I would go, I mean, like, literally my blood would begin to boil. It's like I would want them to pull me over so I can just read them all day long. And God wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. There were two times that, I, that I've that i gotten tickets for speeding, and I will tell you, those officers were so nice. Even when I wanted to have an attitude, I couldn't have one. And what God began to show me is one of these, every officer is not like that officer that pulled you over and pulled you out that car and left bruises on your wrist. Everybody is not like that. I said, but God, it doesn't matter what he did to me was unfair. He says, I know it, and I'm going to handle him because you are my child. And so I just want to encourage you, you, if you have anybody in your family that has ever had an injustice with the police, you know, or state trooper, that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask, think, or imagine. It wasn't just a lesson for that state trooper, but it was to allow God to show me areas in my life that needed to be purged and worked on, that there was hatred that was harboring in my heart for what this officer did to me. Even though he was wrong, it didn't give me a right to harbor hatred for all officers. It didn't give me a right, and so God had to deal with me on that. You know, and it was years. I'm not talking about this was a 30-day process. It took years for God to do that because I had an attitude, you know, um, because as a kid you grow up and you think that police officers, at least that's what they tell you growing up, police officers are here to protect you. If there's trouble or if you see danger, you call 911 until you're on the opposite end, that somebody calls 911 on you. You know, and all of that goes out the window, but I, I, I thank you, Satanya. I, I really do from the bottom of my heart. I thank God for what he's done in my life and, and what he's going to continue to do. And, and I just, I, I'm just going to stop right there. You know, um, I just thank you so much. I really do. Thank you, sis, uh, for coming on the show, sharing it. And it's just ironic <coughs> that you shared, <coughs> excuse me, that particular story. And the reason why I say that is because um, my brother uh, in a different state and I, We've been working on some situations where um, 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 there was a KKK rally one weekend and a young man came up missing within the same week. And um, they have uh, the guy end up being burnt on a barn fire um, with lots of witnesses and so forth that was the opposite color. And so we've been working on uh, that particular assignment now on, um, you know, helping the family get some publicity and uh, sharing some information with the media uh, because the uh, police station in that particular town was not um, cooperating. They kind of swept it up under the rug and so forth and didn't take the uh, situation seriously until we kind of stepped in and and put it out there in the form of an article. And so um, it's it's come a time where 
we just got to be wise and stay prayed up. And just like you said, you know, um, you know, the the mouth <laughs> when you uh you kinda had to learn to to there's a time to use it and there's a time not to use it. And um at some point you gotta use boldness and sometimes you got to be humble. And um, uh, you know, I thank you for sharing that story. Uh, I'm going to open the floor up now if anyone have any questions for Ms. Sanders. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I want to ask a question. What did you learn from this experience? Because I'm not not at my church cookout, so let me move. But I'm sorry, the question was, I, what did I, I I'm going to ask a question, but I'm going to tell you a short thing. I went to school in North Carolina in Fayetteville, and in 1976, they had a bus, where, the bus station is, where the bus station is now, and they, it used to be somewhere else. And I was waiting in there, and you know how you put your money in the machine trying to, trying to get you something? Uh-huh. And the police? And I was beating on the machine, and the policeman came and said, you beat on that machine one more time, I'm going to arrest you. And I'm from New York, and, you know, we said that to the police. But, but I didn't say nothing back to and all like that. You know, because my mind was on the one thing about what I've seen through the civil rights movement and all like that on TV growing up, that certain police have no respect for nobody, nobody black. And I'm sorry that, that, that you wasn't. But I want to know, what did you learn about what your mouth could get you into sometime? What did you learn about what can your mouth get you into? I learned, you know, that definitely sometimes you just have to learn to be quiet. Amen. Even if you know the truth and the reality of your story. Like I said, when I when I... The state trooper pulled me over. I was excited, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, because I was on the phone calling the, I was on the phone with the police, telling them about what happened in reporting this lady. So I didn't at at that time. I wasn't seeing that what I had done was wrong. I felt like I had been wrong because I didn't understand why this lady had locked me in the store. There was I, I couldn't understand, you know. Like I said, other people were in the store with me, and she wouldn't let them out either. So it wasn't like, you know, um, this was, I don't know, it wasn't like this was something that was normal. Um, And because I was on the phone with the police, I'm thinking like, okay, I'm really getting ready to to tell tell this officer what happened only to have the script flipped on me. And and what I learned was that sometimes, you know, you can't say everything just because it comes to your mind. You got some people that, that's in the church and Christians and love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and spirit, you know, to be like, I'm going to say whatever comes to my mind, I'm going to say it. And that's not biblical. And that's what I learned. Just because it is, it comes to your mind, it doesn't mean that you are supposed to say everything. It just doesn't. There's a time where you just need to be quiet. And that was a time for me. But because... I was so used to just being honest, and like I said, I don't have an issue, you know, if you ask me if I did something, I did it. I'm not going to sit up here and try to lie or justify my actions. I did it. And so I wasn't trying to hide anything, 
but I learned that sometimes you just got to be quiet um, and allow the Lord to work on your behalf, you know. Um, Amen. I think, one of the the things, I, think, I think one of the things that helps us all learn, God says in his word, be angry, but don't sin. Yeah. And sometimes that tells, that's telling us, okay, you get angry, but don't open up your mouth. Shut up. Yep. <laughs> be quiet. Because whatever comes out of our mouth is going to get you in trouble when you're angry. Yep. You know, and, 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 um, as you, as you now, are you still in the service? I am. I've been in for 13 years now, and I have, I am looking forward to retiring in seven more years. What's your MOA? I'm a 42 Bravo. Um, that's AG, and I'm a major. Uh-huh. You're a major. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So that, that you you see now you got people that you command, and they get angry at you. So now you learn how to how to deal with that anger, and 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 sometimes some dumb people that are just like you once was, and you're able to tell them that their mouth can get them in trouble. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It ain't, it ain't hard to get an Article 15 when you're in the service. Now, I've been in the office, though. <laughs> all you got to do is look at the office wrong sometimes. And you're a female, too? It don't take a whole lot. So, you know, um, to God be the glory, I, I just thank you for coming on to, to, and sharing with Take on Take the Map. Anyone else got questions for the, young, for the sister? I don't have any questions, but I just want to say, um, along with what you, you know, you were just telling the young lady about, you know, the, the lessons that she has learned. Um, the thing of it is, when you're talking about an 18, 17-year-old kid, um, impulse, uh, she has learned a lot now from experience, and the kids that she has under her, so it will be with some of them, you know, it's not just young folk, but old people as well, some people just have to learn from experience, and I think what happened with her, she was young, and and, and our young folk, I mean, even now, that was what, uh, years ago, but our kids now, they're even more forceful when it comes to verbally um, answer responding to people. Um, they have a thing uh, situation. Uh, everybody is in a high defense of police officers now. Um, yeah, I commend you, sister. I really do. Uh, because I often say, had I've been in some of the situations. That's why God is a good God. He knows all. Because I myself would not have made it in a situation like that. I just thank God that you are alive today to share your story. So you just keep on keeping on. And I encourage you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Hello? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Okay, my name is Rosalyn. I'm from Texas calling in. Hi, Rosalyn. 
Hi, and I just wanted to say, um, I first want to um, commend the young lady for sharing her story. And um, also I want to look at what you shared from a spiritual standpoint. You know, nothing we go through in life is in vain. And you you had to go through that experience. And all I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say is that you you received a clearance. You received a spiritual clearance. Yes. You you went through what you had to go through so that spiritually you could battle in the spirit realm where you need to battle at. And I know that you're still going through the healing process, even though it's been a while back that you went through this since you were 18, but you're going through that healing process. And even as you begin to tell the story, I could hear the healing taking place. And so I just commend you, and I speak to you and say, you know, just continue on in the things that God has called you to do because it's making a difference. And in this time that we're living in right now, it's uh, it's important to get the message out to our young kids, to let them know that you can fight once the process is finished because there's, there's cops that look for an excuse, and they don't even have to have one nowadays to, to take out our people. And, and it's a sad thing, but it's a truth and the reality that we deal with today. So I commend you, and I, and I pray your strength in the Lord, and I thank you so much for sharing this stuff on today. Thank you. Thank you, Roslyn. You're welcome. By the way, you guys, that was uh, Sister Clarice uh, Jenkins out of um, Atlanta, Georgia. And we have my sister Roslyn Willis out of uh, Texas. Amen. If anyone have any more questions or something that they want to say or, or comments. You know, we also, as adults, and we have uh, our youth coming up. And just like um, my sister Adia said, she was 18. And, um, you know, 18-year-olds are a little different because, for one, they're inexperienced to situations and circumstances that happens in life. And as one is your first time enduring something, you may not know how to handle it, you know. And so it's good that if we talk to the youth and just share with them how to deal with the police officers, not all of them are bad. And I'm going to tell you, I have a lot of friends that are police officers that I call on a weekly basis. So, But there are some out there that are, you know, uh, not so friendly. And so if we could sit down with our youth and talk to them and let them know how to cooperate and how to communicate with the police officer at a time if they run across something like this as far as being pulled over uh, or something like that and they know that, you know, they were in the right, they still got to know how to communicate with the police officer in this day and time. You know, and especially like uh, Sister Adia was saying, it was midnight. It was in the middle of the night in a small town. It's dark. I'm from a small town. So I know, you know, um, <laughs> how that can be, you know, and being pulled over by the police officer at age 18 in the middle of the night in a small town traveling on the road, that can be scary. 
Uh-huh. You know, that can be very, very scary because you don't, you're not, you're not familiar with the town for one. You're not familiar with those particular police officers. We got a lot of officers in this day and time that are KKK members. Uh-huh. You know, and so we uh-huh. just got the know-how to deal with the police in this day and time. And you know, to the officer, that would have been a perfect opportunity for him to try to take advantage of a person in that day and time. And I I felt her pain when she was relating the situation to the Sandra Bland situation. Sandra Bland's situation was in the daytime. Can I I just share something there? Yes. I I, I think that we need, and I'm not racial or anything, but we need to know how to deal with white people. We as black people and our young people today are not growing up and not knowing how to deal with, with white people. A lot of young white people still have that segment mind of pregnancy from the old, like the old white people have. And, and, and we need to understand that we have to deal with them from on the police level, on the court level, on whatever level, but we, they still look like, they still look at themselves as being superior over us. Mm-hmm. I, as the police pulled me over, pulled me over the other day. Police pulled me over. I was just a nice to him. He gave me a speeding ticket. You know what I'm saying? I knew I wasn't speeding. You know what I'm saying? But he pulled me over for a black man because of what kind of car job. Mm. And I'm in, I'm in, I'm down, I'm down, in, uh, coming out of uh, Alabama into Florida. You know what I'm saying? So I'm down in the woods. What am I gonna argue with this man about? I, I can't win on no dog I ain't gonna win. Mm-hmm. So we have to know how when we approach by policemen, uh, 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 it's, it's harder. It's, it, we have to know how to conduct ourselves when they white. And I'm telling you, some of our black folks don't treat us right. Mm-hmm. If black, so we just. But have it's to know not. But it sounds like what you're saying, sir, is that what she was doing. She was basically standing up. Her rights. She knew what she her rights were, and it sounds like what you're saying that we should um, bow down when it comes to the police officer. No, no. I don't think so. They I need to we know that we know our rights. Um, right. But I think that we should stay humble and, and, and know the situation we're in. Sister, sister, you could be on a dark road. And Glass Carolina, where she was at, and my family from North Carolina, bitch in North Carolina got KKK. You could be on that back road and come up missing for trying to be Miss Bagtail. You got to know how to construct yourself. I, I, don't, think it, I don't think it would have mattered. I think that she was a black young woman. I think that play played a factor. She could have been Amen. a... Amen. Amen. I agree with you. I, what I'm saying yeah. was... Is that we know how to we we need to know how to conduct ourselves in whatever environment that the police pull us over in. If I'm on a dark road, I'm not fighting with you. She did not conduct herself in a ill manner. She just was just talking to them in the way Uh -uh. anyone else probably would have. But just the fact that she was a young black woman that that's what played on that. She could have got on her knees and crawled. It wasn't the fact that, you know, what she said or how she said it. It's just that, like you say, you got Ku Klux Klan on the force, 
and you can be praying humble, whatever you want to be, but those people do not like black folks. That's just Amen. 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 And, and, and I, I agree with you. I agree with you, my sister. But I, what I'm saying is that when, whenever any of us, now you, you can take it for what it is. If any of us is on the back dock road and somebody pull us over, whoever it is, I think my sister even learned. She's going to know how to conduct her mouth when she talks to them. Because you, well, you know what? If I'm on a back dog road and you come up to help me, I mean, I'm going to watch what I said because you being a man, you know, Amen. you may want to take advantage of me. That's why Amen. I keep saying Amen. that Amen. she was a black or she was uh, just what she said. It's not about what she said or how she conducted herself. It was the fact that she was female. And that's and she what it was for me. That's exactly what it was, ma'am. You hit the the nail on the head. It was because, one, I, I grew up, you know what I'm saying, my mother was just like, you know, one, in the Army you learn about the buddy system. You don't travel anywhere by yourself, you know what I'm saying. So I was so thankful that my friend was there with me. Two, this man, like I said, he was six two, six three, over 200 and something pounds. This man could have done anything. He could have knocked both of us out. He could have raped us. And so it wasn't the fact that he was pulling me over. You know, it was the fact that this man could have did something to me and could have overpowered me, and that's how I, that's how mm-hmm. I was raped. My mother always said, you know, you be mindful. You be aware and observe your surroundings. I've learned that in the military. Be aware of your surroundings. You know, like I said, I'm from Connecticut. I grew up in the city. You know what I'm saying? So I've always, even now, I am mindful that even if I'm on an elevator and it's me and another man, trust and believe I got an ink pen or I got something in my hand that exactly. can be used as a weapon. Don't exactly. fight with me. You know what I'm exactly. saying? So it wasn't. And the other thing that the Holy Spirit just said to me is you got to know yourself. You have to know yourself. So I know that if you try me, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, I'm more seasoned now, so it may take it, it takes a little bit more for me to just, like, come back at you. But when I do come back at you, it's going to be a little, it's going to be more seasoned and grace to my tone. But you will know by the end of this conversation that I'm not one that you're getting ready to play with or play over. You will know that. And so what, what the Holy Spirit said to me is that you got to know yourself. We as believers and as just human beings, we have to know ourselves. It is when we don't know ourselves that when we get into situations, our reactions are exactly what mine was. You know what I'm saying? So because I know myself more now to say when you're in this situation, you already know that you will get amped up and go from zero to 20 or zero to 100 in like .6 seconds, guess what? Listen to what the person has to say first before you go there. Because if you get amped up real quick, the situation can change and it may not cause for it to change. The other thing is to know, and knowing yourself is knowing that your character. What does your character say about you? If every time people hear your name, all they hear about your character is that you are loud mouth always going off on somebody, that's not a good thing, and that is not a representation of God. That is not a representation of who Jesus is. And we know Jesus did go in on people, you know what I'm saying, but it is still not a representation. So I had to learn that. And, you know, and with the situation, like I said, I was firm with that man. I asked for a female officer right. because I didn't feel comfortable with this male officer, you know what I'm saying, wanting to place me under arrest. And we on a dark road on the side of the road. And she and he didn't even do it. Another male officer comes up. 
So these male officers could have did whatever to us. Mm-hmm. We could have never been found again. They could have dropped us off somewhere and left us for dead. And when I say we was like we was not in a deep country like where you like like can't we were off of a state road, but by the time somebody would have found us, I don't know what it would have been like. Like I said, it was so dark on that road that somebody broke into my friend's car and stole my duffel bag out. Nobody ever saw them do it. So. Yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a it's a problem in this day and time. Um, and you know, I'm glad that you shared that particular story. And the reason why is because it can open our minds as adults to talk to the children. Because just like you said, it somebody mentioned it didn't have to be the police. It, uh, Sister Clarice had mentioned it could just be a man. You know, you could be on the road with a flat tire, and they need to know how to handle themselves with people. Is like, and I heard you say you always have a weapon or something in your hand because being traveling on the road that time of night in a unfamiliar, ter- unfamiliar territory, you don't know anything about that particular place they could have a serial killer out they could have anything could be going on in that particular city you could be non-stop in a bad neighborhood you know uh or some or anything so nowadays we really have to have these type of talks with the children or young our young men and young women they need to know how to handle themselves and how to you know because it's it's when you delivering, you can say anything is how you say it. Amen. That's it's right. how you say it. Yeah. That's right. And that's what I had to learn, you know, how I was saying things. You, you know, like I said, when you're in in any in a situation to where your emotions are are just high. I, my father always taught us growing up. He said, you know, no matter the situation, you keep a level head. That way, you always know how to respond because it's. When you can be in some situations where people saying stuff to you and they hitting below the belt, you know what I'm saying, above the belt trying to take you out with their words. But my father, you know, he told us growing up, you know, you don't let your intellect, your emotions override your intellect and keep a level head. And what else was that? No matter what situation you're in, Adia, is you have to make sure, you know what I'm saying, that you don't get so emotionally involved and so upset that when you're speaking you don't even know what you're saying and even right. though i was i was in that that you know experience that should just really have me shaken up i was still able to communicate to this man in a tone of voice and manner to let him know i am concerned about my safety yes i know you got to do your job mm-hmm. if you say you got to arrest me okay that's fine i don't want to be arrested but if that's what you got to do then that's what you got to do but but can you honor this request for me i was in my right mind when i said it. that's why i remember it and then I thought about what you said when he called you. He he meant you heard him say the word nigger. Mm-hmm. So here here's the situation. Here's where we are. We have to really open our eyes in this day and time, you know, because a lot of people are living in the uh, 60 years ago, okay? And, uh, you know, the situation with the guy Dylan Roof, okay, 
He was upset because a black guy took his girlfriend. Every problem has a root. He was his his decision was to go and shoot up the university campus in in North Carolina, but he ended up at the church. You see what I'm saying? So with that being said, you know when the guy got arrested, he get Burger King, didn't go to jail. He get four point two million dollars that people raised for him. You know, and here's here's a situation where. Uh, a little bit later, a, a young lady by the name of Sandra Bland, she get pulled out, pulled over in broad daylight, okay, uh, because she's smoking on her cigarette and she wouldn't put it out. He snatches her out the car, and all of a sudden she go to jail. You know, he, he abused her, and then all of a sudden she go to jail and come up dead. Now, something is wrong with that picture. Okay, and so we got to really understand what's really going on. And if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And so when it comes down to these things, go ahead, go ahead. Sister Tommy, you know I love you, darling. My hour is up. To the panel, I really have enjoyed this year. Sister, I ask that you continue being strong. And to my brother, you know I love you, right? Amen. Amen. All right. I got to go. I'll talk to you all later. Okay. All right? You have a good one, okay? Stay strong. Stay all strong. Right. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. And so what I'm, what I'm, and we have a sister that comes up dead, okay? And there's answers. You know, we, we have questions. And so, you know, we go through that process. It's just like my sister. She got a, She had to go through her process, you know. But the thing is, right now in this day and time, we got some issues. And when we, if we just turn our head or sweep things up under the rug, then there's nothing gonna get resolved. We have to really stand up because the minute, even though it's somebody else's family, the minute it hits your doorstep, then you want the support. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, it's strength in numbers, and this situation just can't just ride like that. You don't kill a person for no reason because you're an authority. Yeah, yeah but you got to understand. Oh. Go ahead. I, I want to say this, and that's what I was trying to say before. Everybody that has been killed from Savon Davis all the way all the way down, it's been white people that killed our people. There ain't been no black people, black people, no, no, no black cop killing a, a black person. We have to understand that that some of the situations that they were in, it's like the guy the guy that got choked in New York. You know what I'm saying? Derek Gardner. Yeah. Then you got him. And when you see the footage of him, you know what I'm saying? Instead of him moving the way they want him to move, he want to park and then, and then when they put him in the truck hall and they do all this, then he has an application if he just said, yo, I'm selling, I'm selling these cigarettes. I know it ain't right, but here, you want to lock me up for my arm on You, I mean, when you're wrong, you're wrong. When you're right, you're right. But even when you're right sometimes and, and the situation ain't calling for you, you got to know how to respond to it, even when you're right. And that's all I was saying. All I'm trying to say is that we have to be mindful on how we react when we're approached by the police and, and, and especially white police people. Well, here, here. We, don't, we don't know. We don't know what mentality 
that they come on there. They might they may not be prejudiced, and then they could be KKK. They could be skinheads in a police uniform. We don't know what they could be. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, you know, and, and I said it on last week. Um, when the Holy Spirit is in your life, you know what I'm saying, and when you listen to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will tell you to be quiet. I know he's told me to be quiet, like, hey, don't say nothing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's when you can listen to the Holy Spirit, then I don't care who it's with. I don't care if it's with the most racist police officer. When the Holy Spirit is living inside of you and is active in your life, he will even show you how to deal with the most racist, the the meanest, think they the baddest thing that God put on the face of this earth. The Holy Spirit will show you how to deal with them. And like I said, at that time, you know, before he... You know, when he was going on and on and on and on, and I was, you know, reacting to it, because that's what I was doing. I was reacting to the tone of his voice, because not all of these officers talk to you and say, you know, hey, good afternoon. They're trained to do it, mm-hmm. but we know some of them are in, they get in their feelings, put in, got their little badge of on, and they feel like they Superman or something all of a sudden. And you kryptonite to them, and they come off, on the, they come off talking to you like, like you crazy. They don't talk to you in a respectful tone, but they but they want the same respect given. And so regardless of who it is, if God has no respect to persons, then we as people need to understand that too, that just because you are in a position of authority does not give you the right to abuse that authority regardless of you being a police officer or not. You don't get to abuse that authority because of the color of my skin or because I might be a known drug dealer or because of X, Y, and Z, you pulled me over before. You still don't get to abuse your rights. But when the Holy Spirit, for believers, when the Holy Spirit is active in your life and you are hearing him and you are walking into what he's telling you to do, he said he'll lead and guide you into all truth and he will do just that. And I'm a living witness because when I begin to, when I be, when I began to pray, once I was in the car in the front seat sitting next to this man and I began to pray, and he ain't want to hear me praying. That ain't my problem. I'm still going to pray to God because he's going to bring that. He's going to be the only one that bring me through this situation. And then when I begin to pray, the Holy Spirit begins to speak. And the Holy Spirit begins to say, tell him this. And I begin to tell him. And his whole demeanor begins to change. If you could have saw the look on his face when I begin to tell him about him being unfaithful to his wife and how he's going to be found out and how he is going to be exposed. And if he thinks that he's going to stop my future, he got another thing coming because God has my back, then you would understand that, you know, like I said, the Holy Spirit will lead you on what to say. But it has to be the Holy Spirit. It can't be us in our emotions because that's what I was working out of before. I was working out of my flesh. When you work out of your flesh, anything is bound to happen. Amen. Anything is bound to happen. That's right. That's right. You are so right. You are so right. Okay, we're going to open the floor for any questions or comments. Okay, Pastor Carpenter, I'm going to turn. Thank you so much, Ms. Sanders, Ms. Adia Sanders, everyone. And she is, um, (laughs) I'm going to tell you, last week we we were on the show and, we were, you know, talking about some 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 deep stuff. Oh my goodness! And uh, Sister Sanders, she had a lot to say as well then. But I just want to thank you, and you know, I, I, I you know, you that was a 
profound testimony because it kind of it, you you share with us your faith walk, you know, and uh, how you had to believe, you know, that God was going to do what He told you He was going to do, and how He had to um, walk with you and His angels be beside you throughout your whole process of the, you know, uh, situation with the charges or whatever, and how you know He uh, you got the victory in all of that. And I just thank you for coming on today, sharing this story right on time, because we're dealing with a lot of that today. And I hope and pray that someone got something from it. And the reason why is because we're needing to deal with this uh, in our home, you know, teaching the children how to handle and how to deal with and how to communicate and how to be, you know, cooperative when they're in a certain situation and, um, when when it comes to dealing with the police officer and so forth uh, in this day and time, because we don't know what kind of organization they may be in, third-party organizations that they could be in and where their heart is at and, you know, how they are, or what city, you know, you were in a city that you were unfamiliar with and you didn't know anything about that town. So... I just thank you for sharing it because uh, we, our, our youth need to know. And it's up to us as a parent because we say, the Bible say train up a child in the way that they should go. So when they get older, they won't depart from it. So thank you for sharing that story because you did shine a lot of light and it's a lot of work that we have to do as adults when it comes to our youth, okay? So I just thank you for coming on the show and taking time out of your day, sharing that story, because it's a right-on-time story, you know. It really is, because we're dealing with all of that in this day and time, and it's not a pretty sight right now. And uh, with that being said, I'm going to, if you have anything else to say, Adia? I do not. Well, I just thank you so much. Um, And I just think, you know, God is just going to continue to bless you, you know, for allowing other people to just share um, pieces of their of their life um, and just to be able to walk in boldness mm-hmm. and the authority that God has given us and the power that he's given us, um, that our voices can be heard. And, and that it doesn't take CNN, it doesn't take Fox, it doesn't take, you know, ABC and all the MSN um, for your voice to be heard, but you can do it. And this is like this, and and, and, and and God gets the glory. That's the yes, difference. That's right. It's that God is getting the glory, you know, and we're not glorifying things, you know, and sharing our testimony for anybody to feel sorry for us, but for God to get the glory, for somebody's life to be changed, for somebody to be delivered, for somebody to be set free, for somebody to be encouraged, for somebody to be hope, and that you don't have to walk through anything alone. And that God is there, and He is on our side. God is on our side, and I thank you so much, uh, my sister and friend, Satanya. Thank you, and also thank you, also Pastor. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming on the show. And at this time, I'm going to turn the floor over to Pastor Carpenter so he can close us out. Amen. 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 My sister, let me tell you what God, and I know God done told you. He wants you, he going to make you a witness for that. And and we're, we're, we're in a time that our young people need to, someone like you to come out and witness to them about dealing with the police. Because our 
our young people don't don't have no right mind at all on how to deal with authority. They don't even deal with authority at home with with parents. They have no respect for one another. They have no respect for, and they need to hear your story. So we thank God for you, woman of God. Thank you. And and we just we just pray that God open up doors and she'll be able to share this with his children. That we don't lose them like we've been losing them right now to um, situations where their lives have been taken from them early. So we just thank God again for you. Again, we thank you. Um, we thank everyone for joining us on uh, Take the Mask Off with our host, Lady Tatanya Ford. Uh, we ask you all to try to join us on Monday night on the Bible study. If you find time on the same line tonight, come around 7 o'clock and join Pastor Robin Albright as she teaches on the Beatrice. And with that, Father God, we thank you once again for letting us just come and be able to hear someone share. Someone take the mask off of something so we can see what it really is, Father God, and be able to know some things that we may not know that go on inside the world, Father God. Even though you told us in your word that we're in the world, but we're not of the world, we still have to deal with the things in the world, Father God. But let us be like the woman of God, be able to pray and be able to call on the assistance of the Holy Spirit to lead us and direct us in how we need to deal with situations that we are confronted with with worldly people. Father God, we ask you to bless the woman of God, Father God, open up our way take her down the byways and highways of life, Father God, let her be an ambassador unto your kingdom. Father God, we just thank you. Hallelujah. We thank you for all you have done and all you will do in our life. You took us from coming in the service, from being at the lowest part, and now she is moving at the highest part and being a major, Father God. She is, she is truly Accomplish what you designed for her to accomplish in the in the in the assignment that you gave her going into the service. So, Father God, let her be a let her let her be a statue unto your children. Let her be a statue unto you, that they can look at her and know that they can accomplish all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens them. Father God, we thank you. We just praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, everyone. Amen. Amen. As we always say on this line, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Please join us next Saturday. We'll be right here. God willing, we love you. We love everyone on the line. And I always say in leaving, smooches, smooches, smooches. (laughs) Everyone have a blessed day.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.